The advantage of a urine diverting system is, first, it allows you to use the urine immediately. You don't have to wait a year. And urine is concentrated fertilizer. It's balanced about as perfectly as fertilizer can be. Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and this is episode 85 with the Seahead Toilet Inventor, Sandy Graves. I heard about the Seahead Toilet when I interviewed Galen Brown back in episode 76, and I knew I had to have the inventor, Sandy Graves, on the show after I checked out the website. In episode 54 of the podcast, I had a great conversation with the Humanor Handbook author, Joe Jenkins, about how there's no such thing as a composting toilet. In other words, the composting doesn't happen in the toilet. But the toilet system that Joe Jenkins recommends and that I use in my tiny house is a wet or thermophilic composting process. And Sandy Graves has developed a toilet that uses the dry composting process. And he does a really good job explaining the difference between these two processes and also how these toilets function when you're in a vessel that moves like a boat or a schoolie or a trailer. So it's a really cool conversation. And I learned a lot from talking with Sandy, and I think you will too. I hope you'll stick around and listen. But first, I want to tell you about the sponsor for today's episode, Tiny House Engage. Have you been working on planning or building your tiny house and just feel like you wish you had some people to connect with, get your questions answered, and just support each other on the way? Well, Tiny House Engage is the community for you. Tiny House Engage brings together tiny house hopefuls and DIYers to share plans and resources, learn from each other's challenges and mistakes, and celebrate our successes so that we can feel less alone while we build faster, safer, smarter, and cheaper homes and embrace the tiny house lifestyle. Whether you're just a tiny house dreamer who's still figuring out all the systems and all the plans and everything you need to go into your tiny house, or if you're actively building, Tiny House Engage has the resources for you. There are professional contractors in the community here to answer your questions about things like plumbing, electricity, and ventilation, and there's lots of interaction between members. So if you just need some encouragement or you want to know how did somebody else solve this problem, you will get those answers in Tiny House Engage. I'm also very active in the community answering questions and keeping an eye on things. So if you want to interact with me and you have questions, this is a great way to do it. Tiny House Engage members are also able to listen live as I record these podcast interviews and ask questions of our guests. So if you're a big fan of the show, it's a great way to kind of get an inside look at the Tiny House Lifestyle podcast and get access to episodes weeks or even months before they go live on the feed. To learn more and register for Tiny House Engage, head over to thetinyhouse.net slash engage. Registration is open today. Friday the 15th of November, and it's only open for one week. So it's going to close next Friday or when we get 30 new members, whichever comes first. So again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash engage to register for Tiny House Engage. I can't wait to meet you in there, and I know you're going to love your new Tiny House community. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash engage. All right. I am here with Sandy Graves. Sandy is a 71-year-old retired firefighter, paramedic, and former Army Special Forces medic with 10 grandkids. He also spent 15 years building boats and in the cabinet shop business. 
He and his wife, Nancy, lived aboard their catamaran, the lily pad, for five years after retirement. All of these skills and experiences came together and led to the invention of a unique toilet called the Sea Head. Sandy Graves, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ethan. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. I'm curious, um, when you designed the Sea Head, what problem were you trying to solve? Well, the number one problem was the smell that was uh, being produced from our marine toilet. Um, We had bought a lily pad new, and uh, within two years, it was really obvious that the uh, head was on board. You could smell it anytime you came below. It wasn't an a overpowering smell or anything. It was on some boats, but on ours, it was just kind of a nagging background odor. And uh, so got to, to a point where it was just too much of a, a annoyance, and I decided to do something about it. Okay, so most of our listeners are familiar with tiny houses. Um, I guess on maybe you could explain a little bit what causes that smell in marine in the, the traditional marine toilet. Well, in marine toilet specifically, uh, the the problem is a lot of times they'll use uh, seawater as flush water, and it's full of bacteria. It also permeates the hoses. The way the system works, there's typically sewage remaining in the hoses. It doesn't drain like the standard toilet does, and that. Uh, the, the effluent that's in the hoses will, over time, uh, permeate through the plastics and start uh, just coming out into the air where you can smell it. And once that happens, you're pretty much stuck with either dealing with with living with it or else getting rid of the hoses and re rehose it, replumbing it. Okay, so it sounds like there's a lot of lot of maintenance, a lot of work. Yes. So. What is unique about the sea head? Like, why not just use? I know there are some other kind of commercial composting toilets out there, like the Separate or the Airhead or the Nature's Head. What what led you to kind of say, no, I want to I want to build my own? Well, the one thing was I'm a I'm an inventor at heart, and um, the other toilets were very expensive. And uh, looking at the design, it just seemed to me it could be improved upon. One of the what the what urine diverting composting toilets do, and not all composting toilets are urine diverting, uh, but urine diverting composting toilets are good at doing basically odor control. Uh, they're simple to install. They don't use any water. Uh, mine doesn't use any electricity normally, and uh, they just uh, they're there's just a lot of things about them that make it really really convenient as opposed to running a long plumbing system. Got it. Yeah, and I, I agree. Some of those toilets are very expensive, and yours seems like it's about half the cost of, of most others. Yeah, the reason for that is we really uh, sell mostly by word of mouth. For one thing, being at 71 years old, I've had a business before, and I don't want to be running around with my hair on fire. I prefer that people come to me knowing what they're getting and uh, really wanting it, you know, and appreciating what it does for them solving a problem. I'm not out there at every show and in every magazine and all that because I don't want to sell my toilet to people who can't really use it or don't really need it. Right. And, And all composting toilets require a little bit additional knowledge to use properly. And it's not, you know, if you've never used one before, it's a different experience. 
That's right. There's a learning curve with every single one of them. It's, it's also a new paradigm. And so it's a lot of times it's really difficult for people to, to grasp what's going on, the process of it. Uh, once, once they come to understand how the thing works and, and what you have to do to maintain it, then they really begin to appreciate the advantages of it. Right. So one of the things that I've noticed that is really unique about the Seahead is that you you offer a lot of different kind of accessories that help you adapt the toilet to your particular needs. And I wanted to ask you about a couple of them. For example, the the Bex kit or the bottom exit kit. You know, what does that do? Yeah, well, um, a, a lot of times, if you have an existing toilet in place, and for whatever reason, you want to get rid of it. Maybe your drain field doesn't work anymore. It could be a number of things. But what the bottom exit kit does is allow you to plumb the urine from the toilet into the existing toilet flange, into the, either your existing holding tank or to your existing drain field. If you're just putting concentrated urine into the tank or into your drain field, it gives it much, much more capacity than when you're flushing a gallon or two of water to chase it down every time. And that's mainly the that, that it, on the face of it, that doesn't seem like much, but all of the other toilets, uh, you can't set them on top of the existing flange without either raising the toilet up, and typically they're, they're tall to start out with, or just capping it off and just not using it at all, which is you're actually kind of wasting a good resource if you don't, you know, if you could use it, it would be great. Keep it from having to empty the urine all the time. Right. So in theory, if you wanted to use a compost toilet at your house, you know, your traditional single family house that has a flush toilet, you could, you could replace it and use that kit. And then the urine would just go down the existing pipes that are there. That's exactly right. And this is a little bit outside the tiny house thing, but if you had it in a house with two bathrooms, you could leave one bathroom as a regular flush uh, system. And then uh, use the other one for your composting system. And uh, it would save you on your water usage and, and, uh, just more environmentally friendly than using the infrastructure of a regular sewage system. Right. So when I came to the tiny house movement, my introduction to compost toilets was reading the Humanor Handbook by Joseph Jenkins. And, right. you know, he advocates for a system where you are urinating and defecating into the same bucket, and then you're using a cover material, and then you have to bring that bucket outside into an external compost pile. Um, and that's the system that that I've used pretty happily for for years. Um, and I wasn't totally clear at first on what the differences between, you know, a humanor system was and what I guess you would consider a dry composting toilet is. So maybe could you right. speak to the differences and why you would want a dry toilet versus the thermophilic style composting toilet? Sure. Uh, this kind of goes into the uh, uh, permaculture aspect of it, but the Jenkins toilet is a really good system if you have a farm or if you have a lot of property. Uh, it does take a lot of composting material to uh, to use that process. If you look at his system, the way it's set up, he has a fairly large composting bins that he works with, and he has a lot of, uh, of uh, material that he can use to cover the waste with. And if you're just going to use it to plow it back into the ground or whatever afterwards, then, then it really is a good system. There's no denying it. It's very inexpensive, easy to operate, a little messy. 
you know, it is, uh, if you watch any of the videos where people are emptying this, it's flop, you know, so that it's, it's a little unsightly, but, uh, but I, would, I won't put it down at all. It's a great system. It really is. Now, with the, the advantage of a urine diverting system is, first, it allows you to use the urine immediately. You don't have to wait a year. And urine is concentrated fertilizer. It's balanced about as perfectly as fertilizer can be. So if you're into permaculture gardening and you don't have any qualms about using urine as fertilizer, then uh, it gives you an excellent source of free fertilizer that you're normally just wasting or polluting the ground with. So the other thing is you're not just limited to, to standard composting using a urine diverting toilet. Um, I have a system where you can, you can take it out, you can take the solid waste out, pour the bucket out onto your compost tower. I actually have a series of, of compost towers that I kind of rotate and uh, that works fine. But if you, uh, if you're like with a tiny house, most tiny houses wind up in very small spaces, either somebody's backyard or a former mobile home community, or uh, even though they are mobile, they're, it's a, it's a bother to move them. So typically they'll wind up someplace for a period of time and then they may get sold and wind up someplace else for a period of time, but they're not real mobile. So if you're in a small space and you're not that mobile, it's nice that you can have a system that doesn't require a lot of vegetation for composting. So what you can do with a tiny house in particular is uh, build something I call a wishing well compost tower. And there are pictures of it on uh, my blog site and some descriptions on how to build it and how to use it. But it looks like a yard ornament. It's basically a wishing well. And uh, it has two, uh, at the bottom on either side are two pits where as the waste builds up on the inside, you remove it from the outside. so you pour the waste. It takes you about a year to fill it up. So you wouldn't use it all the first year. You'd pour just regular um, potting soil or, or garden soil in the bottom half to fill it up to the level where those pits are full. Then you start adding your solid waste. And if all you're adding is that, it, uh, not additional vegetation, then uh, it takes a long time for it to build up. Now, m- most people don't know or they don't believe that when you take solid waste and, and mix it in a medium, cover it in a medium, it no longer smells. Uh, so it's not like every time somebody walks past it, they're going to go, what in the heck, you know, what's <laughs> going on there? So, uh, uh, and, and because it's so concentrated, it, it, it literally would take a year to fill this thing up. Once it gets to the top of where you need to start removing it, you start taking dirt out of the side and using it either. You can, I believe it's perfectly safe to use it in the garden. I know it is. There's no doubt about it. But you can just take it and spread it in the flower garden or spread it on your yard or whatever if you needed to get rid of it, you know. so. That's uh, some of the big advantages. The other, there's others too. You can actually, um, and this is going to sound really crazy, but I've done a lot of experimenting with it. You can build a hot box, pour the contents of the solid waste into the hot box, and it will dehydrate it within seven days. It'll be like stone. And uh, for all intents and purposes, it'll be sterile because it's being exposed to heat, it's being exposed to UV, dehydration. Uh, you can take that then and uh, you could actually crush it up and use it as a fertilizer, but I only recommend that. Best thing to do with it then is to burn it. And once you burn it, you've you've gotten rid of any hazard from uh, from the waste as far as disease goes. And you can take the ash and use it as a garden amendment. Wow. Yeah. So there's there are a lot of ways you can use what what comes from this process. And I think one of the big distinctions that you've made is just the volume because the humanor system does create a, a high volume of 
of compost because you have to use a lot of cover material. And, and, you know, I will agree my composting setup is, you know, two four by four by four um, bins that I um, built from pallets. And then there's an additional pile behind them where, you, you know, you have to move the completed compost to sit for another year. I think that this system is very appealing also for people who are on the move a lot, like in an RV or in a tiny house traveling around, because it seems like it's easier to discard, you know, if you're not if you're not able to finish the process and compost it at home, that you could easily just discard the dry waste. Yeah, that's correct. That's actually it's kind of interesting. It's a it's a cultural differentiation between the East Coast and the West Coast, but we sell to both, and the people on the West Coast almost universally compost their waste. Even the boaters, they'll bring it home and compost it. You know, people on the East Coast they throw it all away. Pretty much across the United States, uh, they use it as a means of uh, just basically conveniently storing waste until they can get to someplace where they can get rid of it. And if you're if you're careful about it, most places there's there, there's no laws prohibiting the, the disposal of human waste as long as it's in some sort of a container, and that can even be a plastic bag. You know, and I, I tell people, use common sense. You know, you don't want anybody getting exposed to this because if you do, then somebody's just going to wind up in the newspaper and it's going to be an issue and they're going to start passing laws and all this kind of stuff. So I actually recommend uh, uh, emptying the toilet into a five-gallon bucket. It'd take you two people using that toilet about a month to fill up a five-gallon bucket. And you can go to one of the uh, um, home improvement stores that I, I'll mention the name, Home Depot. I don't know if you want to take it out, but they sell a bucket and a locking lid, excuse me, a hammer-on locking lid. You cannot get that lid off without a knife, without cutting the tab around the corner off. So that's what I recommend. Uh, uh, fill up a bucket, lock a lid on it, and then, and then set it out with the trash or throw it, you know, if you can find, if you're tr- on the travel, you put it in a, a dumpster. I would, uh, if you put it in the dumpster, put it out of sight because somebody, there are dumpster divers everywhere and they see a brand spanking new Home Depot bucket in the <laughs> in the trash. They're they're liable to go after it to their chagrin. But anyway, so just use a little common sense. And uh, I mean, people dispose of diapers, they dispose of uh, colostomy bags, all that kind of gross stuff, you know, in the trash. So, and there are no real poop police out there looking to catch people doing it. So just use good common sense. Yeah, exactly, and. I don't know. I think I think you might have the wrong idea of the of the east, or at least the northeast. We're very crunchy up here. I'm sure everybody <laughs> composted up in Vermont and Maine. Yeah, that's probably New true. Hampshire. Right, right. Yeah. I don't know about the rest of them, but right, right. Well, the travelers in particular, but right. If people are using right. homestead and permaculture, of course, they're they're going to naturally. Compost. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, does this system does Seahead require any ventilation? Well, that's a good question, and, and ventilation is a complex subject. Uh, I'll try and really be brief on it, but normally it does not. And the reason is you empty the sea. Because it's smaller, you empty it more frequently. And uh, the design makes it really simple to empty. There's really no advantage whatsoever to waiting as long as possible before you empty the toilet, and there's significant disadvantage. So as long as you're emptying the toilet on, say, every five to seven days, usually you can go seven days. So if you're I, I set up a routine. Pick a day of the week. That's a day you well, it, you know, no matter what stage it's at, it just helps to do it that way. It's, so if Saturday morning is your toilet morning. You get up and empty the toilet out on Saturday morning, recharge it. 
if you do that, then typically uh, the issue with ventilation is not smell. The toilets, if properly used, do not smell. And that's, that's all of the urine diverting toilet. Um, the problem is they produce moisture. Now, my competitors, both of them have fans. And the reason is they use a dough mixer bar type process to mash the waste into the medium. Sawdust or cocoa bar, or peak moss, whatever it is you're using. Uh, by the way, hemp pet bedding is by far and away the very best uh, material to use in my toilet. And I've only recently discovered it through customers telling me about it. But uh, I'm, I'm getting off track here. So um, if, if you have an issue with condensation, if you live in an area where there's a lot of humidity or you just can't empty the toilet on, 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 a, on a short-term basis because of travel or whatever, then you may want to uh, put a ventilation system in. That does draw off the moisture. And uh, because of the way the sea head covers the medium, uh, the waste with medium, it typically tends to be less condensation initially. But there is a lot of water in your solid waste. People don't realize how much there is. So uh, the only reason I would tell people not to do it is if it's a, a big bother cutting a hole in the side of your boat or your RV or your tiny uh, house, whatever, uh, I tell everybody, try it first without it. If, you, if you're getting a lot of issues with condensation, and that, that means drip from the cover when you raise it up, then go ahead and install a ventilation system. It's not expensive. It's going to use a little bit of electricity. Uh, they're relative, there's two ways you can do it, either with a mushroom uh, vent or with an inline uh, fan. And both ways are, are, don't take a whole lot of engineering skill. And is that something that you sell as an option, or do you just kind of advise what parts and pieces someone might need. Yeah, the owner's manual has a uh, has diagrams of, of the systems to, for ventilation systems. We don't sell any ventilation parts. And the reason we don't, we don't include them with the toilet because there are so many variations on how it can be done efficiently that we would be selling you something that you may, couldn't use or may not need. Got it. And you, and you keep those costs down, which is great for for the consumers. That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, so I've also noticed that you, well, actually, I wanted to just follow up on something you mentioned. So hemp pet bedding? Yes. Yeah. Um, it, I had been using a product called Aspen pet bedding. You, I buy, I get it at Walmart. They sell it other places, but the particular brand they sell at Walmart seems to work really, really well. I liked it a lot. And for the last couple of years, I've been recommending it highly. I still do. It's an excellent uh, medium. Um, but uh, I had my, some of my customers were saying, you need to try hemp. And so I, I went ahead and bought a bag of it. You're know, thinking, what the heck? I'll, I'll write up an article on it. And, and, and it worked amazingly well. It just has no dust whatsoever. It, uh, it rolls the, the waste very well and covers it extremely well. It, it absorbs a lot of moisture. And so I basically switched over to it. The only downside to it is it's hard to find. It's just coming onto the market. Uh, Walmart also carries a brand that I use. I know I know some people have issues with buying from Walmart, but the the brand that I use they, they've sold out, and it's and they keep you know even online they'll tell you they're out of stock. They'll notify you when they get it. So that's the only real issue with it right now. But I suspect it's so successful that they'll have all, you know the other vendors selling it also in the near future. Got it. So. With the sea head, are you having to add cover material each time you use the toilet, like the humanor system, or is it kind of you put the cover material in at the beginning and then it gets mixed in? Well, there's two systems available with the sea head. One is the churnless and the other is the churning. 
And uh, with a churnless system, you have to add medium after each use. It's just it's just like a, a, a Jenkins toilet. And uh, you, um, it has some advantages. Number one, you can line the bucket with a plastic bag, which makes it really easy to empty and keep the toilet clean. Okay, so that's an advantage. The problem is getting the medium from outside the toilet, inside the toilet, without getting it all over everything and have to clean it up afterwards. And particularly if you have children, this can be a can be an issue. But if you if you can find a suitable dispenser that you can shake the medium out of through the opening in the toilet to cover the waste, and it really doesn't take a whole lot to cover it, then that's an excellent system. And it's a little bit less expensive, but not enough to to use that as the reason for it. You know, uh, if it's just a, if that's the system that works better for you, then I would say definitely go with it. The other one is the churning system, which basically has a bucket with a vein in the bottom of it. When you rotate it, it creates a wave-like action, which causes the waste to roll. And, and this, this sounds kind of funny, but it actually rolls the waste up in, into all these spheres, so, but, which is really good when you go to pour it out because everything comes out, unlike the other toilet. One of their chief complaints from their customers is, I can't get it out of the bucket. It's packed into the corners because of the method they use to mix it. Yeah, it's compacted. So, uh, yeah, so it depends on, 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 the, on which system you go with. Interesting. Okay, so that that is also very... Very adaptable, so you can kind of do it either way. Um, I would imagine that in the churning system, the volume is smaller because you're not adding you're not adding cover material every time. That's right, and I, I should mention that with the churning system, there's a marker on the shaft of the churn that tells you how high to initially fill it. Now, if you get to the point where it started, you'll tell when it's starting to get full because it starts clumping up inside. Now, when you, uh, if you just, for whatever reason, you don't want to empty it that day or the next day, you can add more medium and keep on going. You can also use that as a means of controlling condensation. If you're starting to get a condensation buildup and you don't have time to deal with it right now, you put more medium in there and it will absorb the moisture. So it'll help dry the, the material out. Right. One of the... I don't want to say downsides, but one of the things that that can throw people off about these dry toilets is that um, even the guys need to sit down to urinate because they need to urinate kind of into the front, the front hole of the opening of the toilet so that the urine goes into its specific holding tank or out into whatever drain system you have. But you actually... You have, I guess I can call it an invention or just the, an adaptation uh, to allow men to stand up while they pee into this toilet. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, the problem is, you know, even the best design urinal, you still wind up splashing that they use in public restrooms, you know. Uh, so it's really standing up and peeing is messy business from the get-go. But particularly bad with urine-diverting toilets because they have a very small bowl. So if you try and, and urinate into the bowl, it's going to fly all over everywhere. If you're charged with cleaning it up, go ahead, you know, but typically that job falls to somebody else and they, they get upset about it. So anyway, yeah, they, uh, I found out that, my, that uh, you could buy uh, just a common transmission funnel. Uh, it will insert in the drain hole of the toilet hands-free, and then uh, you can do your business, and when you're done, uh, you, you tap it. To drain it a little. Actually, before you do that, you can take a regular spray bottle and mix it with. Uh, if you're really into uh, just using organic things, use a, uh, you can use vinegar and water. I don't particularly like doing that because I don't like the way vinegar smells. 
But you can also buy, there's all sorts of uh, descaling um, uh, products that you can buy and dilute it with water and it smells good. You, you spray some in there to flush it out. You tap it off and you set it in like a little umbrella rack next to the toilet with a, uh, a little cup at the bottom with, with a paper towel folded up in the bottom of it or something like that. And, and, uh, or if, you, if you're using a uh, churnless system and you have uh, a bucket of medium right there next to you, you can just set it in there. Got it. Got it. Yeah, this is a boon to Airbnb hosts everywhere. I, I know I know an Airbnb host in particular who has I don't know which other brand of, of uh dry toilet she has. I won't name them, but um I know that, that she has frequent problems with guests urinating in the dry uh in the dry canister and that it's it's usually right. gross to clean out. Right. Well, going back to the, to the point I made about, you know, selling to people that, that, I, that really need this, I will confess up front, and this is true of all composting toilets, they are not uh, new user friendly. There is a learning curve with them. I, would, I don't suggest people use them in applications where people are going to be using them who have never used one before because they will make a mess. Right. A mess that they probably won't clean up themselves. That's exactly right. <laughs> right. And I guess... It is unavoidable because not many tiny houses have a flush toilet. And if you're going to be renting a, a tiny house Airbnb, you might say that this is part of the experience, you know, learning how to use a compost toilet. Exactly. It's like that when you rent a boat, you know, they, the guy comes in and he tells you, here's how you use a toilet. And typically there, they'll have some signs on the wall that tell you exactly how to use a toilet. So you could do it. You just need to make sure that they have a, you have a little training before they sit down. <laughs> training before they sit down. That's good. I like it. Um, so um, I know you already mentioned the wishing well compost tower. Um, do you have plans for that, or just kind of general guidelines for for how to build one? I don't have any plans yet. I I, I plan on posting some on the blog site soon. But if you look at it. I did have some sequences of the construction. It's pretty straightforward. You know, any, anybody with a little bit of carpentry skills can put one together. And they don't, my, I met, mine's pretty fancy. Uh, I, I stained it and made it look real nice. Uh, you could make one out of pallet material if you wanted, you know. Uh, if you're not going to be any place for any long period of time, I would suggest making it out of pallets because you're probably going to, you know, tear it down at some point or just, uh, you know. If you're gonna, if it's if your tiny house is someplace and you plan on it being there for a while or returning to that spot continuously, then it, it would be worth it taking the time to build a nice look in uh, wishing well compost tower. Right. What's I think very unique about the wishing well is that there's a there's a port, there's a drain port that you pour the urine into, and then that so it distributes it. Does it put it into the dry compost or is it kind of underneath? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because the, the, the whole thing, if you when you go on the blog site, when you look at the picture, what I basically did was we have a large oak tree in the front yard. And uh, sometime back, I decided I was going to build like a butterfly garden there, my own little uh, wildlife management area. So I, I built a rock wall around the bottom, circular walk, rock wall, and I used it to uh, dump material that I was cleaning up around the yard and, and just... I let grow there whatever wants to grow there. It's all pretty much natural. There is a philodendron that we planted, uh, but other than that, 
it's all stuff that occurs naturally. And I have this place where animals can hide and all. And uh, so I put the wishing well compost tower right there because that oak tree is going to absorb everything that leaches out of the bottom. Now, underneath that tower, there is a small uh, drain field. And there's pictures of it on the blog site of how I did it. It's a French drain. And the urine goes in there. It goes in below the, uh, uh, the solid waste and diffuses out into the root system of the, of, the, of the vegetation that's in that area. So basically, you create a butterfly garden. You put a wishing well compost tower next to a big tree. If you don't have a big tree, you plant a tree because, believe me, the tree will grow fast with all the nutrients that are, that are being put into the ground right there. And this will help significantly in reducing any uh, ground pollution uh, that, uh, that could potentially be caused by the urine. I suspect that oak tree is going to sop it all up before it goes anywhere. Uh, the roots of that tree are run 30 feet out in every direction. So I know because I pull them up every time I, they, they go into my garden bed. <laughs> you know, so uh, the whole system, the, I think, works really well together. Yeah, and it, it's very attractive. It's a nice little system. Um, and I will post, um, with your permission, photos of the wishing well and the sea head and, and, you know, everything we've talked about on the, the podcast episode notes page for this show. Um, and that'll actually be episode 85. So it'll be the tinyhouse.net slash 085 for photos and links. I appreciate that. Well, one thing that I like to ask all my guests is, um, any books or resources that you can recommend either on permaculture or design or just, you know, anything that has inspired you along this, this journey of invention that you've been on? Well, of course, Jenkins is number one. There's no doubt about it. He did all the heavy lifting and, uh, and uh, everybody who's followed in his wake is very appreciative. Uh, he's, it's, it's easy just to say, go read Jenkins, you know? And <laughs> so uh, but there's also a couple other books out there. Well, actually, there's there's one, and I, I'm embarrassed that I don't remember the author's name because I met him at one of the shows, but it's called The, the Scoop on Poop. And uh, I have a bunch of others. I'd have to go back and look. Uh, I might be able to send you a list that you can put post, uh, but my, I've got a pretty good library on it. Nice. Nice. Well, those those two, I'll find the author, and that'll be on the, uh, on the show notes page. Okay. Um, and this system, just just kind of in closing, I'm 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 just your website. I will say is is very well organized and just has a ton of info and Q and A about this system. So well done there, and Thank it you. is actually it's very small. Um, is it the smallest system of this style? Yes, it is. It's the smallest in every dimension, and uh, it's also. The height of it, and if you put a elongated toilet seat on it, it complies with ADA, which is the only toilet which complies with ADA as far as the height and the foot spacing uh, in the front and so forth. Uh, the shorty is hands down the smallest toilet, uh, composting toilet. It's um, it wouldn't really have a, it, it. Well, I shouldn't say it wouldn't. Uh, for schoolies in particular, if they mount the toilet on top of the wheel well, and boats almost universally are the toilets mounted on a pedestal, so the shorty is handy for that. In a, in a uh, tiny house application, I'm not sure how much advantage there would be. Uh, it doesn't come with a jug because there's not enough room to get a jug in it. It has what we call the pee tank, which is designed for offshore and off-road use. Uh, it's baffled 
and uh, is sealed so that the urine can't shake out when you're when you're going over over land or if you get foul weather. Smart. Yeah, that would be unpleasant if you had urine shaking out of your toilet while you were <laughs> RVing right. or boating. <laughs> well, Sandy Graves, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on the show. You are a wealth of information, and I'm really excited to share the Seahead with uh, with my listeners. Well, thank you, Ethan. I appreciate it a lot, and uh, hope that we can do it again someday. Yes, actually, we can do it again right now because I forgot to ask you where the name came from. Okay. Well, see, actually, my wife came up with it. We were trying to think of different names for it. And uh, it, it's a play on the word C, S-E-A, and C as in composting, you know. So in a head, because it, even today, a majority of my customers are boat owners. It's getting to be less and less and more and more RV and people who have the places on the land that they want to use it but because it was it was originally a marine toilet uh seahead just really made sense and uh, the, of course boaters relate to it immediately they see the the connection you know the the, the pun if you will and uh so uh, it's been a, it's been a good name i toyed with the name boon john for the land use uh which was a shorter for boondocks johnny for boondocks john and, and it got to be so much confusion that it just uh we, we went back nice i think it's a it's a good simple name and um now i will i will let you go now so sandy sandy graves thanks so much for being a guest on the show thank you thank you so much to sandy graves for being a guest on the show you can find the show notes including links to the seahead toilet and other things that sandy mentioned in the episode at thetinyhouse.net slash 085 Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 085. If you have a question about anything you heard in today's episode, I would love to hear from you. All you have to do is head over to thetinyhouse.net slash ask to submit your question for the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast. I can't wait to start answering your questions on the show. So head over to thetinyhouse.net slash ask to record a question for the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast. Well, that's all for this week. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.